0: Day 22, you could say it's a strange day. We return to the Alarsanone Geek Hall of Fame where we induct, I think chronologically, our first comic book character into the Alarsanone Geek Hall of Fame because a lot of the characters we've inducted before, such as Shadow and Phantom and Flash Gordon, they were more than just comic characters. They have their origin in other mediums, whereas Adam Strange was actually a comic character from the start. No relation to Doctor Strange, of course. And if you're familiar with the Lesser Known Geek Hall of Fame, you'll understand why we would never consider Dr. Strange for our Hall of Fame because he's, well, not lesser known. He's pretty well known. But as you'll see in this episode, or here more accurately, Adam Strange is actually pretty influential on superheroes in comics. Certainly when it comes to tech and the ability to travel through space and time and whatnot, so... Here we go with our induction of Adam Strange into our lesser known Geek Hall of Fame for National Podcast Post Month 2023. Geek, Geek, Geek Bill Radio. Bill. Once again, boys and girls, Geeks and Geekettes, this is Seth, a.k.a. Xandrax, the mayor of Geekville and the host of Geekville Radio. We have our latest induction into the lesser-known Geek Hall of Fame, and I was actually pleasantly surprised with how quickly uh, some of our listeners caught on to who the character is going to be, because I dropped several hints on Facebook, and I think once it was put that the character had a same first name as a character from the bible in the old testament that's when people figured it out so we are talking adam strange of dc fame and to tell us a little bit more about the character and why we inducted him uh, joining me from a nice soft padded cell in south kakalaki crazy train
1: jonathan bullock all aboard ladies and gentlemen we're actually going to do a comic book character this time. Usually, we're doing pulp heroes and, and stuff. It seems mm-hmm. to be. Yeah, I think <laughs> so this, this might stuff, be our first
0: pure comic book character. Yeah, that was born as a comic character.
1: And, and I do believe he probably is the most, chronologically speaking, the most current mm-hmm. inductee right. we've had. Yes. Unless you count Forrest J. Ackerman, who's the only real life person we've inducted so far.
0: Right. But even then, you know, in his day, and we're actually going to mention Forrest again here uh, in this show. But you know he he was born in what like the the 30s or something like that or the yeah, 20s, so. 20s, or 20s. Yeah, 20s or 30s,
1: yeah, and just yeah. recently passed away. So,
0: but the reason why we inducted Adam Strange here is because there are a lot of characters that were kind of inspired by real life things at the time, tropes and whatnot. And Adam Strange was, of course, created in 57 or 58 by a comic writer named Julius Schwartz, and he was inspired by jet engines and the you know, humans were in the infancy of what would become space travel at that time. So he used those those popular, you might say, news things at the time to make Adam Strange. Now, there were other characters that had the, the jetpack look, you know, the jetpack gimmick, you might say, but... Adam Strange is the only one that's still around. There are characters like Commando Cody and the Rocket Man, and even the Rocketeer who had that movie in the 90s. There was never another one after that. But yet, right. there's still comics coming out with Adam Strange in it. So I, I think that's fitting for his entry into our Hall of Fame. I'm assuming you agree with that, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's the one that stood the test of time. Don't know if he was the first. I, I didn't really get that deep into it in my research. You know, did Commander Cody, like, Come before him. Obviously, Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon came before him, and they right. were obviously inspirations for Adam Strange. But I think you you brought up a good point about flight and space travel. To go back to this era, we've talked about it some more. Probably we've talked about on examining the dead, probably more because of the horror comics. But we've talked about Estes Keefoffer and the the Comics Code and how. You know, the, the, what was it? The seduction of the Innocent by what was mm-hmm. that? What was that? Psychologist, child psychologist. I cannot remember his name right now. But this whole idea that comics were just for kids and they were leading to juvenile delinquency and just bad all the way around. And as a horror guy reading a lot of those horror comics from that era, I can see why parents thought that, you know,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, uh,
1: they're they're very nuanced and sophisticated with their sarcasm and social mm-hmm. commentary that probably would go over the heads of most kids over what? under 15 probably. Right, um, right. All, the, all they see is just these these graphic depictions of violence and not understand the comedic side to it. So there was the move and the self-imposed comics code by the Comics Authority, and that was the rise of sci-fi comics. And if you're going to go sci-fi, like you said, it wasn't just comics. Everything was sci-fi in the 50s. There was really two new burgeoning technologies in the 50s that had people confused. They didn't know where this was going to take us, and that was space exploration and nuclear power. We'd already seen the awesome devastation that nuclear, that harnessing the atom could bring with the atomic bomb to end World War II. But now we were tapping into the positive side of of, of messing with atoms, with nuclear power and fission and fusion. And so you take that and you come, and you take space exploration. Those are the two new big breakthroughs in the in the scientific world and that's why all these movies and comic books and stuff in that era are based on it because it was it was that's what comic books are they're fantasy they're they're the ultimate potential of where we could go and we didn't know at the time where it was going to lead And quite frankly as much as we've we've developed in the last 60 years in those two fields there's still a lot we don't know about either one am i wrong in saying that
0: no, no, not at all. And uh, by the way, I believe the author you were looking for was uh, Frederick Wortham, published Frederick, 1954. Dr. Yeah,
1: Doctor Frederick Wortham. I mean, he was the one that said that Robin and, and Batman were the the prototype uh, homo- homosexual fantasy, because this was in the time when when you know everybody who wasn't gay or or an ally or friend of gay people thought that all gay people were child molesters mm-hmm. and stuff. It was just. We've learned a lot, we've grown a lot, ladies and gentlemen right. <laughs> we 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 have matured, uh, yeah, but that and then the violence in the in the horror comics and julius Schwartz, of course, was a top guy at d c in this era, so besides Adam Strange, he was also i think you know at the leading front of of just redefining superheroes from the golden age in the thirties to where they were in the late fifties, early sixties. Exactly. I mean, yeah, you've got you've got a list of those. So, who are some of those that he helped to like kind of redefine who they were? Well, probably the biggest one is
0: the Flash. I think he had a hand in Green Lantern as well, although he wasn't writing the Flash because it is important, and I'm glad you brought it up. Is at this time uh, in the mid to late fifties, the superhero genre was pretty much considered dead. Uh, right. You know, a lot of comics went out of business after this Comics Code and such, and. Marvel hadn't come to prominence yet, the Marvel that we know didn't start until the 60s.
1: Yeah, it was still what, Timely Comics at the yeah, time. I want to say it was it? probably
0: still Timely at the time, yeah. And there really were only four superheroes being published by DC at the time, and of course, that's Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superboy, which you could then argue is actually 3 if you look at Superboy and Superman as being the same character. One and the same. And so that is one of the things that is definitely relevant to the discussion. Is the same guy who essentially brought in the, the Barry Allen Flash, the Hal Jordan Green Lantern. He outright created the Atom, which you know is another science and tech based. And he would have been in.
1: There, he would have also been in there around the time of Martian Manhunter,
0: John Jones, and his exactly. creations. Yeah, and Julius Schwartz was also the guy. Once they brought these characters back, he kind of reinvented the Justice Society. And he essentially created the Justice League of America, you know, the, the, the right. DC supergroup that still exists to this day.
1: And for those that don't know, before Hal Jordan was Green Lantern that we know, before Barry Allen was the Flash we know, Alan Scott was the Green Lantern and Jay Garrick was the Flash. And their powers came from more magical, mystical points of view as opposed to the more science-based you know, space exploration for, for Green Lantern and, you know, the mm-hmm. accident with the chemicals and the lightning for Barry to become the Flash and this whole concept of the speed force and all that kind of stuff. That's all more science based than the original characters' powers coming from magic.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. There, there was at least a technobabble jargon explanation for how they got their mm-hmm. powers.
1: So. Right. And more Martian Manhunter coming along that time makes sense you know, Mars after the moon was probably the next planet we wanted to, as a human race to go to because it was, you know, it's our second nearest or third nearest neighbor. I think it's a little farther away than Venus, but uh, yeah. So yeah. these ideas, like I said, once we're talking about it, this is the, the this is where science is, space exploration, and then the, the atom, nuclear power and messing with the atom. We're seeing it in the comics now. We're seeing this concept and idea of where is this science we're just beginning to tap into going to take us. Exactly. You know? Yeah, so it only made sense that comic publishers would
0: try to capitalize on that popularity. Right. So, and,
1: and when you yeah. think of the Flash and the Speed Force, don't forget that the concept of time travel and and time and, and space being, you know, concepts more than, and scientific things more than just these, I don't know, strange Morpheus ideas. This all comes in the 30s and 40s of Einstein. So we're mm-hmm. only, what, 15, 20 years removed from, like, the theory of relativity and stuff like that. Right. So these are also new concepts, too, you know? Right. So the story of the creation
0: of Adam Strange started in 1957. Uh, DC Comics editor Erwin Donenfeld asked two writers, uh, Jack Schiff and Julian Swartz, to each create a new sci-fi hero. One of them would be from the future and one of them would be present day. Jack Schiff was the senior writer at the time. He'd been with the company longer, so he got the first pick. And he chose the future hero. Now, Schwartz uh, was actually happy with this because he thought it would be easier to make a character set in the present than have to work in the future. Schwartz got inspired by the space travel and this would technically, at the time, make Adam Strange the first man in space, even though, I mean, there had been stuff that took place in space that we talked before with you know Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon, but he could be billed in comics as the first man in space. So hence, he took the name Adam from the Bible. The first man created by God uh, in the Bible was named Adam. And then artist Murphy Anderson created Adam's look, I believe was Anderson's idea to give him the rocket pack. Again, inspired by the serials, Commando Cody, Rocket Man, you know, all those details kind of put together and Adam Strange was born. The character made his first appearance in a comic called Showcase. A lot of these comics, much like the comics that would have the shadow in it, much like characters that would have superheroes like Spider-Man and such in the, in the 60s, they were, what would you call it, anthology titles. Mm-hmm. They usually had a couple individual stories in them that were all standalone. So, right. you know, there might be a five or 10 page Spider-Man story in, in one and then a five or 10 page, you know, some other Marvel character in them as well. And
1: now, yeah, really, the all- the only characters that were getting like full issues were excuse me, where it was completely dedicated to them were the heavy hitters, the supermans, the wonder woman's the batmans, you know, yeah.
0: but after showcase, he then became a regular character in another anthology title, mystery in space. Although he was kind of the headliner of that. And that's really where the character took off. And um, as we were talking a few years prior to introducing Adam strange, Showcase had been used to debut the Barry Allen version of the Flash, like we just talked about. So, with the success of Adam Strange, Schwartz looked to other superheroes to update, you know, and to add to that list. You mentioned uh, Adam; maybe Hawkman is also on that list as well. Although mm-hmm. Hawkman, Hawkman was an original character, like the Adam was, so he was intermixing and,
1: and, and classic and and contemporary characters. And 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 Carter Hall version of Hawkman is this unique and strange. Amalgam of mystical powers and sci fi stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Right. So, and then as we said before, he essentially created the Justice League. And the main reason I, I bring all that in, because none of those characters are Adam Strange, it shows the geek cred behind the creators, behind behind mm-hmm. the writers. And it it's also makes Adam Strange. One of the first If not the first Honorary member Of the Justice League Because the Justice League Was always supposed to be Like the heavy hitters You know mm. Five, six, or seven characters And then they'd have You know Kind of a revolving door Of
1: characters That would come and go And Adam Strange is one of those I'm, I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if he was first I think maybe Ollie was Green Arrow But he was definitely In the first group of people They invited Outside of the the big the big boys And mm-hmm. I think Ray Palmer Was in that first group too Quite frankly the The Ray Palmer Adam Yes Yes but, I believe you're right so you got Ollie, Adam, and Ray, which totally makes sense. <laughs> the, those are three of the first guys asked to join the Justice League. Right. I, I'm now, not. I, I'm not saying they're the B Squad, but yeah, they're the B Squad. <laughs> you
0: know. <laughs> right now, as far as the origins of the character, were you familiar with how Adam Strange got got his abilities and such in the comics?
1: Yeah, I had heard. I had read the story a long time ago. I think it was a uh, maybe a flashback. I can't remember which comic it was because, like we said, he's still around today. You know, right. so I'm sure it was some DC title I read in the 80s or 90s, and there was a, an explanation in that that whatever that that issue was of where Adam came from. I was more kind of filled in the gaps when I did my research for this this episode. You know, mm-hmm. the idea you're talking about, you know, the archaeologist Zeta Beam, all that stuff. Is that what you're talking about? Right. Exactly. Yeah. It was fascinating to me in my research. I did not know this. Julius Schwartz, I don't know if he ever graduated. I couldn't find that in my research. But he attended college for science. I don't know mm-hmm. what yeah. kind. Yeah, he was which an accomplished I, scientist, yeah. Which I thought was strange because, you know, I always figured because he was a comic book writer, he, he, he went to a liberal arts school and, and had some kind of arts major, you know, writing like myself or maybe art of some sort, you know, graphic design, that kind of stuff. That's more what we think of when we think of comic book guys. But, no, here was a guy who was a scientist. And then as I began to read and kind of recall Adam's backstory and origins, I was like, ah, it made sense. My understanding was Julius, throughout the early runs of the character, he, because of his science background, wanted to make sure that everything Adam did was somewhat based in scientific fact. So maybe that's why he's outlasted others too. I mean, you brought up the jetpack thing. That's a great example. You're you're talking 57, 58. So Sputnik has just become the first satellite the Soviets put. We're developing Gemini, which, you know, that was just putting a guy in orbit and bringing him back down. It wasn't like keeping him up there very long. You know, the idea of actually stepping out of a ship and traveling through space would not come until Apollo and the moon landings. And then later on with the space stations and 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 but obviously Julius was probably well read. And he got the idea, because if you understand how they do spacewalks, there are small jetpacks on their their suits, you know? And they have to have weights, like there were weights in the suits for the, the Apollo astronauts, because the gravity so less on the moon, they would just flow off, they hadn't. These are all things Adam had. I'm sure Julius was the reason why. He was. He, they were talking about you, the whole idea of space explanation being a new thing, and where are we going to go with it? Julius, as a scientist, is actually putting that in the character, you know?
0: Exactly, yeah. But the history of the character goes that Adam Strange was an archaeologist doing research uh, and exploring, and he stumbled across what was called the Zeta Beam. And this instantly transported him to the planet RAN, R-A-N-N. There he met Alana, who's father explained that the zeta beam was supposed to potentially seek out intelligent life where if they could understand the beam they would learn about the planet but somehow something changed over time and it became a transportation now i think you can guess where the next step in the trope is is adam strange winds up getting romantically involved with Ilana, but eventually the beam wears off and he gets sent back to earth but he's able to learn how to travel between the worlds, so he is actually able to help out Ran when they get attacked by evil forces. So it's kind of funny, the usual trope is more like Buck Rogers or, or Flash Gordon, where the, the place they get transported to is ruled by an evil dictator. And This wasn't the case. It was actually a good place that he went to, and he just became an ally for that. Right. And th- as far as the rocket pack, I mean... That I think that's just something that was created as part of his uh, origin, but something else that is interesting about the character is much like Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon, or even Batman. He, Adam Strange, doesn't have any superpowers. You know, he's an archaeologist, nope. quick thinking. He's got the tech, so he's a spacefaring Indiana Jones, but he does have various types of energy weapons and blasters, which could be alien technology. Mm. But we mentioned before about how the character was still around. Well, in infinite crisis obviously not to be confused as crisis and infinite errors although it is a sequel story to that Uh, (laughs) uh, he was blinded and he was still crafty enough that he was able to be blind for a while and live his life but he was cured of his blindness through getting a set of cloned eyes installed uh, in him and these new eyes gave him the ability to see into the entire electromagnetic spectrum but ever since the new 52 review uh, reboot which happened after Infinite Crisis, which was the sequel to a reboot. And, uh, you know, we don't need to get started on that. But anyway, (laughs) ever since the New 52 reboot, he's just always been depicted as having the
1: spectrum vision. Uh, Uh, Wasn't it uh, Alana's father, who was also a scientist, that that, on top of being a leader, wasn't he the one that gave him the eyes, if I I remember right? I I believe so. Now, the,
0: the question that I had when I was looking through this, you know, we mentioned Jack Schiff before, as far as the characters he created. I was trying to find... The character that Jack Schiff created to be the futuristic tech-based hero, but I I, I couldn't find it. So, hmm. uh, you know that that, that is something I, that I'd like to know at least just for trivial sake.
1: Well, if if he had and it had been a success, we might be inducting them into the into the lesser-known geek hall of fame instead of Adam Strange. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now the whole concept and idea of him being an archaeologist. We were talking about how he would take the old and mix it with the new. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't Alan Scott, an archaeologist, the original Green Lantern?
0: He definitely discovered the, the, ring. Uh, the powers. Yeah, it, it wasn't like the modern take where the ring finds you. But yeah, I, I, everybody knows that knows me knows I'm, I'm kind of a fanboy of Alan Scott, but I, obviously he hasn't been around much in the comics.
1: There's two things that I've, one I like and one I'm like, what? With Alan Scott. One, it's very well known by our listeners. I'm a cape fan. Alan Scott's on that list of awesome capes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He has that big, huge, you know, like popped-collar cowl on his, which is just awesome. But I always found it odd that his weakness was wood. Of all the, you know, kryptonite, and I use that in air quotes, that a superhero can have, wood? Mm -hmm. What? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, And uh, double-checking,
0: Alan Scott was actually an engineer. Engineer. Uh, As in the railroad sense,
1: yeah. uh, But I knew he was some kind of, like— yeah, something. Yeah, you still have to you know your then,
0: stuff to be able to work a locomotive, you
1: yeah. Right. Maybe, maybe it was Jay Garrick. I can't remember, but one of those earlier, you know, Golden Age characters who they switched their identity in the Silver Age. I'm thinking one of them was an archaeologist. We've talked about Shazam on our sister podcast or Geekville Radio. Shazam wasn't an archaeologist. Billy Batson was just a kid, but there was an archaeological vibe to it with this ancient, quasi Egyptian. Vibe and 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 Hawkman for that matter too for Carter Hall and Shira. I guess archaeologists were like really badass long before Indiana Jones and since George Lucas and Steven Spielberg grew up in that era maybe that's why they created Indiana Jones to be an archaeologist I don't know (laughs) yeah you know it goes (laughs) back back to the uh,
0: it goes back to the characters like Alan Quartermain you know who
1: right you know we didn't bring this up when we were talking about Julius. In the creation of the character and the stuff like The Archaeologist, like all this stuff, he was a literary agent before he got in comics. Right. And much like Forrest J. Ackerman, who we mentioned earlier, he was heavily involved in the early days of of sci-fi fanzines and, and, and short stories. And, I mean, he had a lot of famous writers, you know, guys like, like, like H.P. Lovecraft and I sadly – Ray Bradbury. Lovecraft was not respected in his time. It's been in, in more recent times that f- people have become to come to appreciate Lovecraft, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I've kind of looked uh, at Lovecraft as being like the, the Van Gogh of uh, horror.
1: Yeah, nobody appreciated him until he was dead. Right. Uh, but I mean, these are heavy hitters. And so he's obviously rubbing shoulders and elbows with these great sci-fi and horror writers. I'm pretty sure that some of the ideas and tropes that he lent to Adam. Came from that, too, you know? The, the lines are much more blurred between sci-fi, fantasy, and horror, I think, in the 50s than they are nowadays. I know? think
0: so. They're definitely more defined. Whether the Comics Code helps with that or not is probably open to debate, but mm-hmm. it, it's definitely a lot easier to distinguish the two uh, now.
1: I mean, well, when you look at stuff like, oh, I don't know, Krull or or... Even to a certain level, Star Wars, definitely Alien, you know, the, the original Tom Scarrett, you know, Sigourney Weaver, the original. Mm-hmm. There's elements of all three mixed in one. I mean, Kroll's sci fi because it takes place on a different planet, but it's fantasy because of mixing of bladed weaponry with like laser beams, but then the monsters are very horror driven. So, yeah, I think that was kind of just common back in the day, don't you? Yeah
0: and another thing that can be attributed to the character like we said before he's not a member of the Justice League kind of over time he met like everybody or, or worked with just about
1: oh yeah yeah so
0: i mean yeah. uh i he really wasn't in other media very much i think he's in one of the justice league animated movies that takes place in the, i keep forgetting if it, it's the one that takes place during the kennedy administration yeah, it is. But, that's
1: the that that was my first time seeing him animated that I can remember. Yeah, which was called uh, the New Frontier. Oh, yeah, which yep. is that's the name I was which to is actually actually based on a Elseworlds standalone story. I think it was like four issues, maybe maybe it was six. Mm-hmm. But it's it, it's essentially a, a retelling, alternate timeline of Silver Age heroes during the during the Kennedy administration. And I want to say the baddies in that are the Reach, maybe. I, I haven't seen it. I just I, I, I've seen clips of it though. Of it. The
0: animation is very good though.
1: The reason that I remember that, besides Adam Strange, which was cool, was uh, Blackhawks were in it, which were a Golden Age comics. My father's favorite comic book as a kid, and they're still around in DC for what it's worth. But they were a World War II war comic, and they were a crack flight, crack team of uh, flying aces led by. Colonel Blackhawk, who was an American, and they were international. There like a, a Brit and a and a, and a and a Chinese guy, and, and there was Lady Blackhawk, who was his love interest. So was also it was basically DC's Helden Commandos, right? But they were air-based. They were jet fighters, but they were in it as well. I remember that. And for what it's worth, everybody knows Kingdom Comes, my favorite story. They're in that too. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> when you see the UN order the, the nuclear blast during the big final battle in Kansas between Batman, Superman, and... The other heroes, the UN orders a, a nuclear strike, and when they have the cell of the jets take it off with the bon- it's the Blackhawks. They have their symbol on the. I'm going so oh, okay. So yeah, they're still around too. <laughs> right. But I remember between Adam Strange and the Blackhawks are what stuck out to me. With and that's a really really good comic book. I believe it's on DC Online right now. I'd have to go back and check since I'm the one that has it, not you. <laughs> but well, worth, well worth our listeners. Adam doesn't have any speaking parts that I remember. But you do kind of get to see his look very well drawn. I also believe he might have been, and I have to go back and double check this as well. I do believe Adam had one of those cameos on Batman Brave and the Bold. You know, the more kid-friendly mm-hmm. animated series where it was always a story of Batman teaming up with another DC hero. Yeah. Usually the way those episodes are they're like 30 minutes with commercials long, so probably about 23 minutes without commercials. And they're usually self-contained too, yeah. Right, right. And Diedrich Bader is the voice of Batman in that, not Kevin Comroy. But the, the opening five minutes would usually have a, a short action scene with Batman and a hero, and then that would resolve, and then the main hero and story would come in. I believe Adam Strange is one of those little five-minute intro pieces where he was the other mm-hmm. hero with Batman. Uh, I'd have to go back and double check that But I'm pretty sure he was in one of those too So he is still alive and well Because we're talking about things that are only in the last 10, 15, 20 years Not that long
0: Well, Another thing that makes him almost unique uh, Is I don't think he's ever died in any continuity Like all the big characters seem to have died and come
1: back And even a lot of the small ones Right, right Right. And some of them died and haven't come back (laughs) (laughs) Which I'm just wondering when that's going to happen The one that sticks out to me is Ratcatcher Who was a Z-list bad guy in the Batman world who was killed during the OMAC uh, storyline. You know, when Maxwell Lord getting his neck snapped by Wonder Woman and all that? Yeah, mm, that storyline. Yeah. But, but he, he gets killed, but he's like the only person I can think of other than Uncle Ben who hadn't come back from some writer twenty years from now will will have read an old rat catcher story and say, hey, man, we need to resurrect this guy. <laughs> <laughs> right. But two other
0: incarnations of Adam Strange that our, our listeners might be familiar with Uh, One that's probably the better known is he uh, appeared in a season of Young Justice. You know, the ones that was essentially the teenage versions Mm. of Justice League characters. And he was in that, and then he was in the first few episodes of Krypton, the Superman prequel that takes place 200 years in the past.
1: The live Um, action. The right. live-action show CW. CW. It, no, it's not on CW. It's on. It was,
0: it, I think it was on Sci-Fi Channel, I want to
1: say. Right. It, well, uh, it's also available on DC online. I know that. The old episodes are.
0: But the thing that I found funny with that is time travel was never really Adam Strange's thing. He just would travel between star systems. But, I mean, when you're dealing with a character that can bamf in and out of planets and space and stuff like that, time travel might not be that too weird of an idea for
1: him. Well, I, I thought that also goes back to some of Schwartz's uh, insistence. There'd be some scientific basis on things. Cause mm-hmm. I remember some of the stories I've read with Adam strange that the Zeta beam, it wasn't like in just one place on earth. They would randomly move, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. But he had the ability to figure out where it was. And that's why he could return, use it to return to Rand in time, in their times of need. I thought that, that he, at one point, maybe this is a Mandela effect with me. Right. But I could have thought there was some explanation also going back to what we talked about earlier with the theory of relativity, that when you travel those kinds of distances, there's going to be a time shift right. of sorts. Cause essentially the Zeta beam is opening a wormhole, you know, to go the, to go the fully scientific explanation, which is, you know, the, the, the merging and bending of space and time. So the idea of time travel doesn't seem that out of it for a guy using a essentially a wormhole, wormhole portal generator to travel across, I mean, billions of light years. You know? Right, right. Time is a funny thing. It's like the human mind. We haven't really quite figured it out yet. We think we understand it, but we don't.
0: All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when, when we come back, we'll wrap up with some tidbits. Th- like recommended reading, I guess, is probably the, the best way to put it. So, this is the Lesson on Geek Call of Fame. We'll be right back.
1: Are you looking for a gaming-themed podcast? Then check out You Just Got Fragged. Join host Jared Aubrey and his panel of gaming enthusiasts as they discuss news and accomplishments in the gaming world and, of course, the gripe of the week. That's all at YouJustGotFragged.com, part of the Wrestling Brethren Podcast family.
0: all time lords and ladies geekville radio presents examining the doctor a weekly look at everybody's favorite time lord the doctor join mark and says as they bring their signature blend of knowledge and humor to favorite and not so favorite episodes of doctor who from hartnell to capaldi examining the doctor provides episode commentaries for classic and current doctor who fans alike examining the doctor available on itunes stitcher and at geekvilleradio.com. All right, we're back. Last segment of the show. And we're going to talk, like, if, if you want to dive into Adam Strange stuff, I think the things that we could probably recommend the most, maybe DC Online's got them, but I would recommend, obviously, origin comics are, are a good idea. I think also uh, listeners, if they're still high off of Crest Infinite Earths, read Infinite Crisis because he does play a pretty decent role in that. Oh yeah. And you know, and other than that, I think like you just said, with the new frontier, that might be some required viewing. Even though I don't think he I don't think he has any actual speaking lines in that, like you said though, oh. but he but he does appear.
1: Yeah, but there's so many like cool sixties versions of, of of superheroes in that. It's kind of just like kind of required for all geeks to begin with. Because you can have your you can have your squee geek moment in it, you know, throughout it.
0: <laughs> right. Was there anything else you wanted to add as far as uh, Adam Strange goes? No. Or?
1: no, I just think that it, it's kind of cool. Like I said, it's the first time we've actually a pure comic book guy. So I, it, it was kind of interesting for me to do research into this because I didn't know that much about Adam. And the fact that I found out some things about Julia Swartz, who is, quite frankly, extremely important to the development of what we know comics to be today. That I didn't know, that, that in and of itself was kind of cool. But if some people wanted to do some of the reading and viewing. They're going to say, oh, he's so corny. He's like a 50s sci-fi character. Well, yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. That's exactly That's what he, is, when yeah. he was. It's when he was created. The whole, like you said, jetpack and blasters and stuff. And so they might see him as Cornball compared to, you know, a lot of the more current. But you can't know where you are if you don't know the past. And the fact that he's still around when all these other versions of that style of character died should tell you something. It's the musical analogy I would make. I'll go to my other side other than wrestling, which is music. The musical analogy I would make would be. Something Gene Simmons said about KISS, which was he he was talking about how they're often criticized for being all fluff and, and nothing else. You know, it's just the makeup and the stage show. And he's like, well, here we are 40 years later and we're still talking about KISS. It had to be more than just the look and the makeup. The right. music had to be good, too. If the songs weren't good, we wouldn't still be talking about us now, would we? I exactly. think the same can be can be applied to comic book characters. Some comic book characters might seem outdated, might seem and Adam Strange definitely falls into that. Might seem outdated or kind of corny by today's standards, but we wouldn't still be talking about them, and, and writers wouldn't still be writing them into storylines if there wasn't something to the character. I think the probably the two biggest examples of that would probably Cap and, and Soup's. You mm-hmm. know? Right. Captain America is. Arguably second or third most popular character in all of the MCU. I mean, after maybe Iron Man and Black Panther. And Superman, just based on a recent poll, is still the most well-known and popular superhero in all the world. And yet he's cornball, and it seems so silly sci-fi tropes that he, because he was created in the 30s. Mm Mm-hmm. He's still relevant. And he's still the most popular. Adam's so if if you get into Adam Strange, you're kind of like this guy's cornball. Remember that. Remember he's a lot like these other characters that are still popular. And if there wasn't something to the actual character of Adam and why he does what he does, then they wouldn't still be writing him. They would. They just they would have been something. An editor at some point in DC has said nope, but they haven't.
0: I I really can't say it any better myself. So I know this has been a little bit shorter than some of the episodes we we did, uh, but. I think part of that is because the character is kind of more of a side character than a, the than a main eventer or you know, I mean, he's had his own series here and there, but for the most part, he's been popping in and out of other people's titles. But like you said, well, I, thought fact-
1: of, I thought a lot I thought a lot had to do with time that he was created in the late fifties, and most of the other characters we're talking <laughs> about were created the twenties. So well, they just you know said, good point. they, yeah. said, 30, they said thirty more years of history than he has. That's all. <laughs>
0: Geek Bill Radio. As you can see, Adam Strange pretty influential on the science fiction superhero genre. We're going to be going back to sci-fi tomorrow because tomorrow will be day 23, November 23rd, the 23rd day of National Podcast Post Month. And if you're living in the States, you know that November 23rd, 2023 is the this year's Thanksgiving. It's the famous American holiday. But outside of America, you may actually remember... November 23rd, more as being the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who. So to celebrate, we are going back into the TARDIS. I teased it a couple days ago. We are going the oldest of old school. You will hear the commentary that Mark Short and I did for the very first episode of Doctor Who, An Unearthly Child. And since that episode is actually up right now, the original episode at archive.org, I think I can actually give you a link to the episode itself. Obviously, if you have a DVD or whatever, it'll work better. But that's coming tomorrow. Our return to the TARDIS, return to Doctor Who for where it all began with an unearthly child. This has been Geekville Radio. You can find us at geekfulradio.com, wherever you find podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, anywhere else you find podcasts. You can do a search for Geekful Radio. You can find us. Give us a like, give us a follow, give us a review on the platform of your choosing. Let us know what we're doing well. Let us know what we can improve on. I'm always looking for ways to improve this show. And you can also reply at Geekville Radio. All the posts there, you can reply through Discuss. And we are on social media, Geekville Radio at Facebook, on Twitter slash X, and and, and also on Instagram. So don't be a stranger. Say hi. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. So I'm going to power down here in the Geekville Radio Studios. We'll be back tomorrow with the first ever Doctor Who episode "An Unearthly Child. We'll talk to you folks then. We're going to wind things up here. We'll be back sooner rather than later. Thanks for listening and let us know what you think. Geekville Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any products or services unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the hosts and/or guests do not reflect the views of GeekvilleRadio.com, the Wrestling Brethren Podcast family, or any of their affiliates. Some media used in Geekville Radio is the product of their respective copyright holders. All rights reserved. And by the way, if anybody was wondering, no, Adam Strange is not related to Dr. Stephen Strange. Two different imprints. Yep. (laughs)